And oops, I forgot to tell you earlier that Ian Rankin will be reading and signing books tonight at 7 o'clock at the Upper East Side Barnes & Noble Store. That's on 86th Street at Lexington Avenue. Up next on Underreported, Adam Nossiter, the West Africa Bureau Chief of the New York Times, and Renzo Frick from Doctors Without Borders describe the ongoing political and humanitarian crisis in the Cote d'Ivoire almost four months after the disputed presidential election there. And a reminder to stay with WMYC for for continuing coverage of the earthquake in Japan and its aftermath. You can log on to WMYC.org to see a timeline of the unfolding disaster in Japan, a map of nuclear facilities and fault lines in the United States, and an examination of how nuclear power plants in our area guard against natural disasters. This is WMYC and WMYC.org. WNYC support comes from Penguin Books, publisher of Americans in Paris. Journalist Charles Glass tells the story of American expatriates and their struggles in Nazi Paris. Americans in Paris, now available in paperback. Roundabout Theater Company's Broadway production of The People in the Picture. Donna Murphy stars in this new musical that celebrates family, life, and laughter. Previews begin April 1st at Studio 54. Tickets at roundabouttheater.org. Purchase College Opera, presenting two one-act operas, Bizet's Carmen and Poulenc's Mamelles de Tiresias, on March 17th through 19th at the Purchase College Performing Arts Center. Tickets at 914-251-6200 or artscenter.org. A brain tumor devastates a young man's ability to create new memories, but he can still remember the music of his youth. Today on Soundcheck, a discussion of music, memory, and a brand new film called The Music Never Stop. Tune in at 2 on 93.9 FM WNYC. Cote d'Ivoire has been rocked by a political and humanitarian crisis following the disputed presidential election in November where strongman Laurent Bagbo refused to cede power. New York Times West Africa Bureau Chief Adam Nossiter and Renzo Frick and Emergency Coordinator for Doctors Without Borders join us now for today's underreported segment. Hello. Welcome to our show. Oh, Hello. Adam, Bagbo has refused to relinquish power despite losing the election in November. Does he claim he didn't lose? Uh, yes, he does. He does claim he didn't lose. Um, he uh, claims that um, hundreds of thousands of votes from the area that supports his opponent are invalid uh, because he claims also that there was violence in the areas where those votes were cast. So he had a close ally on the country's constitutional council simply invalidate uh, for three, four hundred thousand uh, uh, people's votes. And, um, and that's how he's procured himself uh, what he claims is his victory. And crackdowns against uh, the protesters sound similar to what we've been seeing in Libya. You write, recently women protesting with branches symbolizing peace were mowed down in volleys of machine gun fire from his security forces. Well, yes, that's right. Um, Bagbo is using um, a a three-pronged strategy. Um, First of all, he's... um, uh, firing on his uh, opponents using live ammunition. Um, He is uh, conducting a a propaganda war um, 
on the airwaves and uh, telling um, the people in Cote d'Ivoire uh, that uh, he is simply the victim of a Western and particularly French and UN conspiracy. Uh, and he's also um, drastically uh, paring down the apparatus of the state uh, in order to save money. Um, he's not paying a lot of his bills. He's defaulted on a lot of uh, the country's, several of the country's bond issues, um, and he's not paying the bills at various embassies. So he's he's cutting back, he's cutting down, and he's lashing out. Although he is still paying the military, and that's the reason they remain loyal to him. He's paying enough of the military uh, so that they will still go out uh, and open fire in hostile neighborhoods of the main commercial city, Abidjan. Now, Renzo, uh, isn't there a rebel force opposed to Bagbo? Who are they? Well, um as Dr. Blizzard Borders, you know, we are um, directly supporting uh, suffering populations. So it's not really, I think, up to me to really explain who are the, the, the forces okay, uh, opposing well. themselves. Um, what I can tell you, of course, is from our side, we, as we are um, uh, working on both sides of the conflict line and trying uh, to be also in Abidjan in all neighborhoods and try so to alleviate people's needs, whatever the uh, political uh, side or ethical uh, uh, ownership. Do we know how many people have been killed or injured? And are they mostly people engaged in the fighting or are they civilians who are being mowed down like those women? I think it's very difficult for, uh, I mean, to have a very global view of how many people have been killed and wounded and so on. I think what we can say is for our part, for Defense Frontier, is uh, how many patients we have treated in our structures. In, uh, in Abidjan, we are run actually together with the Minister of Health, uh, Central Hospital in uh, the neighborhood of Abobo, which is the one uh, where the fighting are going on now. And in the last two, um, the last two weeks, we have seen uh, more, uh, and, more than 130 patients uh, with a need of surgical intervention. Um, so that's a lot of, uh, of uh, I would say, almost war-wounded uh, patients. Uh, that's only in Abidjan, and of course we are working also in the west of the country, where the conflict is going on also. Well, I've heard yeah. that people in Abidjan yeah. are afraid to leave their homes to seek treatment at hospitals. Uh, why are they afraid? Is it because they're assumed, if they're wounded, to be anti-Bagbo? Well, in this, such kind of uh, environment, uh, where people are like, have like, uh, you know, a Ticker on their face, either they are on one side or or, or they are for the other side. So it's uh, it's uh, it's difficult to move. Uh, health structures, health facilities are difficult to reach. Access is really reduced. So the only way for us to uh, improve a bit access to uh, uh, these facilities is just trying to support as many as possible and to, to reduce distances and just allow people to have a health facility close to where they live. But clearly, uh, it's uh, it's difficult for people to move within the city, uh, either within their neighborhood or changing neighborhoods, because there are a lot of checkpoints everywhere from both sides. There have been reports that food shortages, overcrowding, and inadequate sanitation have brought, uh, have caused cases of diarrhea and malaria uh, to be rampant, especially among refugee groups, people who are trying to just get away from all of this. Yeah. 
it's true that so in Abidjan we're talking now of about 300,000 displaced people, so which is a, a huge number. Uh, we must say that the, 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 the vast majority of these displaced people are hosted by uh, their, their, their families in other neighborhoods. Uh, only a small part of them are um, displaced in uh, in, in its camps. Uh, but of course, this displaced population is much more at risk of any uh, other other group. Um, we must say also that since weeks, since the beginning of the year, there is a, uh, a cholera outbreak going on in the city, which is a, a small outbreak. It's not a very uh, um, a strong one, not a, not a very, uh, uh, let's say, uh, with not a huge peak, I would say. Still, with uh, with uh, di a lot of cases of diarrhea, people vomiting, so cholera signs, and displaced people, it's uh, ingredients uh, that uh, could be very worrying. Adam, is there an organized rebel force that's opposing Bagbo? Is the country going uh, through well, a civil war? The, the answer to that question is a bit complicated. But first, just to go back to a, a, a point that was raised earlier, I mean, actually, it, it's quite easy to um, give an, an estimate for the number of dead. The U.N. says uh, at least 400, uh, and it's, it's probably more. Um, and the overwhelming majority of those are the supporters of the man who defeated uh, Mr. Bagbo. Uh, so uh, the the... It's also a misnomer to call it fighting. What it is is a terror campaign aimed at the supporters of Mr. Watera, and they've paid the price for supporting him by being shot by Mr. Bagbo's extensive security forces. So it's not really fighting. We can't really speak of fighting. Generally, we speak of repression. Now, as, as to the rebel forces, there is it's a, there, there are two rebel forces involved here. One is the, the 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 members of the former rebellion that broke out in 2002, and they control the northern half of the country, and they've been engaged in skirmishes with Mr. Bagbo's army and in western Cote d'Ivoire, but that hasn't amounted to very much, and it's not clear that it's helping Mr. Wadera's cause to any great extent. There's also in the city of Abidjan some, uh, a group of freelance, uh, loosely organized fighters who are called by the locals the Invisible Commando, and they have been fighting back against Mr. Bagbo's forces and inflicting some casualties on him, but still the overwhelming uh, preponderance of firepower is on the side of, of Laurent Bagbo, and um, he's directing it primarily at the civilian population. There's also a no-fly zone over the country, but it was opposed by Bagbo against UN aircraft. Has that well, had much of an impact? No, it's had no impact at all. The UN, Bagbo has, has issued various edicts against the UN. He's tried to kick them out. Um, he's banned them from getting gasoline at, at, ga at gas stations. He's imposed this bogus uh, no-fly zone on them. But, but the UN has basically ignored everything he's said. Um, so um, uh, his edicts against the UN have, had, have really had no effect. Well, Renzo, what impact has having a U.N. peacekeeping force there had on the humanitarian crisis? Well, I'm... I mean, is, is, sure is the, uh, is, is the U.N. effective at all, is what I'm saying, because it hasn't been all that effective in, in dealing with the Libyan crisis. Yeah, I think from the, the, the U.N. 
I mean, from the UN, I think we have to separate a bit the uh, the UN forces, the blue helmet, then the uh, the United Nations agencies, which are humanitarian agencies. Uh, I think uh, the the the, uh, the UN agencies like uh, WFP, UNICEF, UNHCR, and so on are getting more and more more and more operational in the field. I think, as in um, many uh, countries where crises are, are coming quite quickly, I think the level of response is not up to the the level of the crisis. That's one thing. For the uh, the blue helmets, I think even though there are a few thousands in the country and they're trying to get uh, more and more troops, uh, mostly from the, the neighboring Liberia, I don't think they are uh, uh, really in position to do anything either uh, against the two forces or, I mean, to try to expel uh, Mr. Bagbo. So uh, uh, it's a bit a pessimistic view, but uh, I think that's reality in the, in the ground. Adam, I've read that something like 82,000 thousand people have fled the country for Liberia. Now, Liberia is still recovering from its own destructive civil wars. Uh, Is this going to uh, put a strain on Liberia's resources? Unquestionably. I mean, the Liberians can't handle uh, this influx of refugees that are camped out on the border. They're simply not in a position to. So um, it's in everybody's interest to get this thing settled quickly and peacefully. But uh, from my perspective, uh, it's unlike, that's unlikely to happen uh, because Mr. Bagbo has shown uh, recently and over the years um, that uh, the only thing he responds to is force. So I think that there's going to be uh, considerably more bloodshed. And just to go back to the earlier point uh, about the UN, um, there are about 10,000 UN peacekeeping troops uh, in Cote d'Ivoire, and um, they've been almost completely ineffective in protecting the civilian population against the uh, raids and incursions of the Bagbo forces in the Abidjan neighborhoods. I mean, if you go to the UN headquarters in Abidjan, you will see fleets of UN vehicles simply parked there. Um, they don't cruise around the streets the way they should, uh, partly because they're afraid to. Uh, Bagbo's uh, militias have, have been attacking them and setting, setting upon them. Uh, so they don't go out uh, and they don't protect the civilians. Well, you, you report that one diplomat told you if Bagbo makes it through the month of March, I think he could be here 20 more years. Well, I think that, that that's an extremely pessimistic view, um, but there may be something to it. Um, there are some indications that Mr. Bagbo is sort of going for the, the Zimbabwe solution here. Uh, in other words, um, a, a greatly reduced economy, uh, wreck the economy, uh, essentially, but keep enough of it going so that he can stay in power. Uh, and we've seen that this is a this is a solution that uh, African autocrats uh, have put into practice quite effectively in other countries, uh, and I think this is this is what uh, Mr. Bagbo Renzo, may be aiming for. We have very little time, but uh, the sanctions have been imposed. Have they? Do they cause a, a humanitarian crisis? Do they uh, make things harder for the general populace? Yes, this is clear. You see, we, we, we see this. Uh, we see this every day. The situation for the people. Uh, people are getting poorer and poorer every We have to leave it there, unfortunately. Renzo Frick of Doctors Without Borders and Adam Nasser, the New York Times West African Bureau Chief. Thank you both so much for being on today's underreported segment. My pleasure. Thank you.